Welcome to our Path to Pro series with Legend Soccer Company. My name's Thomas Clark and I'm here with Roland Benedict, the co-founder of Legend. Roland also was a former professional player at Racing Ghent out of Belgium. And through this Path to Pro series, we're aiming to highlight the career paths of a number of different professional soccer players. From pros at the top of their game, making millions of dollars, to players working other jobs just to fulfill their dreams of being a professional athlete and continuing to enjoy the beautiful game. This series is dedicated to telling the story of what it truly means to be a professional soccer player at every level. All right, Zach, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, today on our Path to Pro podcast, we have Zach Lubin, who grew up in Bozeman, Montana. He's now playing for the Phoenix Rising, who just played in the USL Championship. Uh, Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on today. Of course. Um, Absolutely. We're, we're happy you joined the the legend team and willing to share your knowledge with our, our fan base. Oh, of course. Now I'm, uh, I was more than when I first heard about legend and, uh, saw the product and, you know, you guys are out of Montana. It's, it's something I had to jump on, uh, right away, you know, trying to rep Montana brand as much as I can. And, uh, would love to build, uh, build the brand for you guys. Absolutely. I think, a lot of our interest in you came from the fact that obviously you come from Montana too. So you grew up in Bozeman. Um, tell us a little bit about your youth career and what it was like growing up playing in Bozeman. I know you had a little bit of a, a stint with Missoula as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first, I, I think I got to say I, I became a soccer player because I spent the first four years of my life in uh, Australia, New Zealand. Um, and before we moved to Bozeman and my older sister started playing sports, uh, down there and, uh, she started playing soccer and kind of whatever she did, I did. Um, so I was, you know, when she went to practice, I would be on the sideline, kicking a ball around, running around. And so now I feel like if I, and we moved to Bozeman, it, you know, looking at the soccer culture back then, I feel like if I hadn't you know, started those years in Australia, New Zealand, I, I might not have stuck with soccer or even like developed that passion. Cause it was always something I loved to do since I can remember. And like when I moved to Bozeman, so that's definitely how I got my start and why I think I stuck with it. Uh, as a lot of kids tend to phase out. Um, but you know, growing up in Montana, it was, uh, basically AYSO there was some competitive I didn't start playing competitively till I was an under 13 um a lot of my friends started playing competitively uh I was playing hockey as well at the time um so trying to balance all the sports was was tough but uh you know ever ever since I joined I think I'm trying to remember what we were before the blitz because we had rebranded um yeah, I don't but, remember either. Uh, yeah, I spent like two years or three years before the Blitz. Um, but anyways, you know, we ended up having getting one or two like really good coaches uh, in into Bozeman, and I think that helped. We were a very successful youth team. Um, always makes the sport more enjoyable when you're when you're winning and winning championships, and uh, you know you get to go to regionals and. And that's where we really started like branch out and experience soccer at, like a different level than than what it was like in Montana. Uh, you know, just because football and baseball and basketball are like so dominant. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, getting to go to regionals in uh, in Colorado and in Boise and uh, Seattle, you know, got to see kind of a little bit more about soccer in this country. Um, and then the big thing for me, you know, what I started doing was my parents, you know, fortunately my parents would, you know, send me to camp, send me everywhere I could to just play as much as possible. And so I really started going like summer camps to soccer plus. Uh, and I think that's really where I grew as a goalkeeper because before college, you know, I didn't have a goalkeeper coach. You know, I never had a goalkeeper coach growing up in uh, in Montana, really. Uh, there was one guy, Dade Smith. Uh, he was quite a bit older than me. He, he played in college at Gonzaga University. And whenever he was back, 
uh, he would run some sessions for us. So I guess that would have been my first real experience with a goalkeeper coach uh, before college. So, so, so Zach, when, <clears throat> you know, uh, our, our viewers might not know, but you, you have a kind of a perfect goalkeeper frame. I mean, I, I guess, first of all, we should probably thank your sister for giving you the platform to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you mentioned you're playing hockey and you're playing other sports growing up, when did you kind of get that, you know, that bigger frame and, and really start growing into, you know, kind of the ideal goalkeeper height and, and, and length? Um, you know, I was always kind of bigger uh, than everyone else. You know, now I'm, I'm six foot six. Uh, I weigh about 210 pounds. Um, and so, yeah, at this point in time, definitely ideal. I was not always, uh, this size. <laughs> yeah. Um, I knew, uh, well, I was supposed to grow to be this size. You know, I remember they did like a, a blood marrow test or bone marrow test. And, um, mm-hmm. they, the doctor predicted I would going to be six, five. Uh, so I, you know, it's always clinging to that hope, but I, I definitely was always bigger than everyone else and taller. And then, the beginning of high school though, everyone else shot up and I didn't. Mm. Um, and I was worried at that point, you know, everyone was getting taller than me and my sophomore year of high school, I'm like five eleven, and, oh, wow. you know, I'm like 15 years old. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm not growing anymore. Uh, and then all of a sudden I just sprung up. And by the time I graduated, I was six, four. Wow. Um, I was also Bambi at the time because, you know, I had just over the last like two years, I had grown about six inches and I was not coordinated. I yeah, was, totally. I, it was it, that I definitely had to grow into my body. And it took me a couple of years until I was really about 20 before I had a little bit better, like body control. Um, so that, that definitely took some time. And I was also six, four and 185 pounds. Like you could see every bone in my body uh, <laughs> and I, it, it took me a while to then in college, you know, the lifting and, and eating and finally being able to put on weight uh, that I, I got, you know, stronger as well. And I think that also helped with the coordination. I didn't have any muscles to, to, to help me out when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So, so, t- so talking about, you know, sophomore and junior, junior year of high school, you finally get a little bit of a growth spurt, but you're still trying to get coordinated and, and, and have your, not only your body, but your athleticism and your goalkeeping technique catch up to your physicality. Mm-hmm. At what point did you, in your career, you know, even though Bozeman's uh, back then, it probably wasn't as big as it is now, obviously. When did you know, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go after pursuing playing in college. Was it always on the mind? And then how did you fall into the, to St. Martin's? Um, so I guess it started, uh, about, I guess we have in 2002, uh, world cup with Brad Friedel mm-hmm. and I watched that and I was like, I was always playing goalkeeper, you know, before that I would always play like half on the field, you know, in rec half in goal. And I watched Brad Friedel and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know why, you know, I'm 10 years old but that's just a memory I have. And I'm like, I'm going to be a professional goalkeeper. Like that was, that was it. I kind of made up my mind, even though I was still playing hockey. Um, that was kind of always something I thought about. And I'm again, very fortunate. My parents, my grandparents uh, fully supported me. You know, my parents really made me believe that, you know, I could do whatever I wanted, you know, obviously takes incredible amount of hard work and discipline. Um also, my grandparents, you know, it was really cool that they, you know, they were on the East Coast in Maine, but my grandpa would, anytime there was a, a soccer article in the USA Today about the men's national team or something, he would always send it. Uh, he would always cut it out and send it to me. That's and, cool. You know, so they always kind of reinforced it that like, hey, like, you know, you can do this uh, if you want. And, you know, learning about that, and that's one thing I didn't do enough of. And now I understand what they were doing was learning about learning the game and watching uh, is so important. You know, it's just as important as practicing. You have to practice, but you also have to have a vast knowledge and understanding of the game. 
and that's going to make you such a better player. So, you know, I had my parent, my grandparents sending me articles and my parents, you know, making me believe I could do whatever I wanted. You know, it really gave me that self-belief, uh, you know, to work hard and, and be disciplined and, um, with my athletics and, and that's where I took it. And then it ultimately, you know, it came down to, I was also a very successful hockey player. So, uh, I had, I spent a year playing triple A hockey in Canada as well as like in one of the best, you know, youth leagues in the world. Uh, you know, and again, that just shows how much support my parents gave me because my dad's driving me up to Calgary every single weekend. I went to school two days a week and was spent the rest of my time up in Canada playing. So, um, you know, to have that, and that's really what also enabled me to be a better goalkeeper was I played hockey and I did every other sport possible, whether it was mountain biking, skateboarding, rollerblading, uh, whatever I could get my hands on and play and be active. That's what I was doing. And I think that's so important for athletes to be multi-sport, to be athletically gifted in so many different, you know, genres that that's going to ultimately help you in your sole purpose of whatever you want to play. So, uh, you know, it started to become a choice like, okay, do I want to pursue hockey? Do I want to pursue soccer? And, um, you know, like you, uh, Roland, you said you were always playing up, uh, in your career and that's how I was. Mm -hmm. And I was always playing with the older kids. Um, and hockey wouldn't allow me to anymore. They like became very strict one year and they're like, no, like you can't play with the high school team. Like, even though I was in high school, I was too young. Um, and that, that really held me back a little bit in terms of development, uh, had to spend an extra year in Bantam. And at that point, soccer really started taking off for me. Um, and I, I started a role with soccer and by my senior year, I quit hockey and just wanted to focus on soccer. And that's when I went to Missoula strikers, um, out of Bozeman or in Missoula and started playing with a really good team to, you know, go to state and, uh, compete in regionals. Um, at a, at the time where Montana teams weren't showing very well in regionals, uh, you know, we, we ended up doing really well. Um, so, you know, that was, that was big for me. And the, the head coach, Jeff Birnbaum, I would say is such an influence for me and we still stay in touch and he still coaches the Missoula strikers under 19s. And he's putting a lot of kids in college, uh, placing them in different programs. And a lot of his soccer players are coaching, uh, at a high level and, and, uh, he's got one at Fort Lewis in Colorado, uh, Keen Hamilton and, you know, all these guys that he had come through are, are now, uh, set up pretty well in, in other programs. So he's, he keeps sending a ton of players to college and, um, and then luckily my, for me to go to St. Martin's, my uncle, uh, knew the soccer coach at St. Martin's university uh, and they were just, we were a first year program my freshman year. So my uncle who lived there in Olympia, Washington, knew the coach, knew that they were getting a soccer program, uh, put me in touch with Rob Walker, who was my head coach at St. Martin's. And I sent him a video and I became like an official recruit, uh, went out for a little trip and got some training in and, um, you know, they, they made me an offer to, uh, to come to school. So, and, um, I had, uh, and the thing is Casey Keller, also another hero of mine, uh, in the goalkeeping world, cause he, he was with Brad Friedel, uh, you know, the national team in the two thousands. Yeah. And Rob Walker, uh, actually coached Casey Keller growing up. Um, and also, so he's a goalkeeper coach. He was my head coach. And then Tom Dutra, uh, was the goalkeeper coach at St. Martin's at the time, um, he is now the Seattle Sounders uh, first team head coach or sorry, goalkeeper coach. Um, he was working with the Seattle Sounders when they were still in the USL and he was able to split time between uh, coaching the USL team and coaching us at St. Martin. So I really felt like this was such a good opportunity to go work with the best coaches. Uh, you know, if they coach Casey Keller growing up and uh, you know, Rob coach Tom that, if they're going to coach me like this, this is an opportunity and I had an opportunity to play. And so mm -hmm. I took that instead of, uh, you know, maybe pursuing a bigger school uh, mm -hmm. where I wasn't going to play or maybe. Red so did, you, 
did you have did you have other options going into college or was it you kind of didn't get to the point to pursue other options because of this great connection you already had at St. Martin's and the opportunities you already kind of explained? Um, I had another option to go to Butler. Um, one, mm-hmm. uh, I had a coach uh, in youth in Bozeman who he came to Bozeman for like two years and that's it. And he was like there to coach and help build up the blitz program when they, uh, when they first changed over and, he was an assistant coach at Butler and at the time, and I reached out to him and I was going to go out on an official visit and, you know, then it was okay. Like you definitely got a red shirt. Uh, you know, who knows if you're ever, like, when you'll play, they had, they had a couple of goalkeepers in line and, and then I went to St. Martin's and it was like first year program. The other goalkeeper was going to be a freshman. Uh, I did take a risk because they were going to have, a red shirt like junior who was going to come in and probably be playing my sophomore year. And luckily he, the program, our school didn't like uh, offer his program and he, he left after the first week of preseason. So, you know, wow. I got, I got lucky in that one too, like as a freshman, even though he was going to red shirt that year, but the following year, it sounded like, you know, it really would have been him as a starter. Who's going to play. Mm-hmm. So Zach, I, I know when I, I mean, Whitefish is a much smaller community than Bozeman, but I had some goalkeeping goalkeeper coaches when I was, uh, when I was younger. And when I went to Evergreen, also in Olympia, so in the Olympia Lacey mm-hmm. area, which, you know, when I got there, they were pretty enamored with my shot blocking ability enough to offer me a scholarship, but they thought that my feet just were super raw, not, not at the level yet. What, was the kind of the biggest thing that the coaches at St. Martin's wanted you to develop further and grow from that you needed to get better at coming from Montana? Um, and, you know, to be honest, the exact same thing. My, my feet were, I mean, I could barely kick a ball. So Zach, yeah. When I went to Evergreen state college, which is also an Olympia, I mean, Bozeman's a much larger soccer community than Whitefish was, especially when I was in high school. But when I got there, the coaches, thought I was pretty solid with my shot blocking ability, but they could kind of tell even in my first tryout that I needed to work with my feet. I didn't have enough experience on the ball and that that was going to be an issue. I was just wondering, and I'm sure the audience would be curious to know what were the things that those St. Martin coaches wanted you to grow as soon as you got on campus? Uh, I was, I was the exact same way. Um, you know, I could, I could launch a ball with my right foot, you know, out of my hand and from the ground, but you know, my passing ability was not good. My left foot, I, that was only there for balance, (laughs) you know, like, uh, I was not using my left foot at all. So that was a big thing I had to work on. Um, and just, just the, the small technical details of like, you know, shot blocking, you know, I was, I was long, I was athletic you know, I can get the stuff, but then it was like, okay, we need to turn some of these saves into holding the ball, uh, you know, mm-hmm. little cleaner technique. And, you know, those were the big, big things for, for me as well. And, you know, the feet especially. And um, that's something I, I've worked incredibly hard on through college, after college, you know, even today I spent two hours on the field solely working with my feet and technical skill you know didn't even put gloves on uh you know today Mm -hmm. so it's it's something I still have to work incredibly hard on because I feel like if I don't constantly do it now you know uh it's it's gone um so it's that's a my footwork is definitely something I have to constantly be working on even today yeah it's funny how I think soccer is unique in that way that you just constantly have to be recalibrating your skill, especially with your feet. I mean, for me, I can go out and play a pickup game. That's obviously a shell of the level of college or especially professional, but you can do okay with your hand-eye coordination, but the foot-eye coordination and your feel for the ball, that just goes away immediately. So after you got done at St. Martin's, did you immediately go and play for the Kitsap Pumas in Brinnerton or was there a stop in between? Nope, I did. And, uh, you know, through, through St. Martin's, uh, you know, we had a really good junior year. We won the conference championship. Uh, I was captain of the team. We were really good. I, I got to go out and train with the Sounders first team uh, like that summer going into my senior year. And then my senior year was tough. We just, 
struggled. You know, we, we had all 11 starters coming back and we thought we were going to win the conference and we're going to go to the national final. We're going to the NCAA tournament. And we just, uh, underperformed and that, that was a tough year. I, and I honestly thought, you know, still had been naive maybe through, uh, you know, a young naive kid through college. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to still, I'm going to be a pro like, you know, and I, and I didn't really understand, I don't think, you know, what, you know, what it took to be a pro, but I was just like blinders on, like, I'm going to be a pro. And, you know, after my senior year, as we were finishing up, I was like, you know, I don't even know if I want to play soccer anymore. I was kind of, I was kind of burnt out. Um, And so we finished, you know, our championship seasons in the fall. So we finished in November and, uh, and I was, I didn't touch a ball. I was like, you know what, I think I'm done. Like if something comes up, okay. Uh, you know, I didn't have any, you know, no kind of offers from teams or anything. And so finally it's like March in the spring and I get an email, uh, that they're having tryouts, uh, kids at Pumas and they, they want me to, to come out to the tryouts. And I sat on it for a little while, uh, and, or maybe that was like in January or December. It was pretty early and I sat on it and didn't do anything. And finally it was like two weeks before the trials I'm like you know what whatever like I'll go see see what happens and you know those two weeks I put in some work and and got myself back pretty sharp and just figured I'm gonna go out and have some fun and um you know that's exactly what I did I went out and you know even in the tryouts I had like it was so much fun to be out there and uh competing again and um you know then especially they called me back for the second round, uh, go back out, you know, play really well. It's cut down to mostly the guys who had been there before and a few new players. And um, I'd done really, really well again in that second tryout. And that's when I, I remember like having a moment. I looked myself in the mirror afterwards and was like, all right, like I'm going to be a professional soccer player, uh, you know, and I'm going to dedicate myself to to be, I'm going to do whatever I have to do, uh, to be a professional soccer player. And, um, you know, sure enough, they, you know, offered me a contract. Uh, and even though it's, you know, PDL pro, uh, or whatever, you know, definitely, I would say semi-professional, you know, they only play like four months out of the year, um, four or five months. Um, but yeah, I got the contract and I, finished up school and um I remember like we had a preseason and the last day like all the guys were like partying and I and I had a final the next day like so you know they're all they've all been out of college I was like one of the youngest guys on the team and um you know they're partying enjoying themselves and I'm like sitting there reading a book like man this sucks (laughs) but um that's brutal but like that that year too was like so instrumental for me because you know being in college you know you guess in division two kind of a big fish in a small pond I definitely established myself um but you know then this this really felt like a new level and and the guys that were there were all very professional and I learned so much from them you know there were guys that the Seattle Sounders were sending down to us there were guys that had you know, even kind of been in the league. Nick Bazzano was on our team, and he was the first overall draft pick to Real Salt Lake a couple of years before. And things didn't go well for him, but he came back with us. And I learned a lot. Uh, you know, Zach Scott, he's a Sounders legend. His his younger brother was on our team, and Dan Scott was trying to be a pro. And all these guys were, like, like you know, trying to make it as well. And, and uh, so I learned so much about what it takes to be a professional – and what they were going through and what, you know, how hard they were working for it, even though we weren't getting compensated enough for the amount of work we were putting in. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Zach, the, you know, going from a great junior year to the senior season where same teams coming back, but it's a lackluster experience. Don't really know if you want to keep playing. You end up having just this great experience at the tryouts but now I mean that that player that you were going into Kitsap and talking about you know you've got number one overall draft picks that are on the same team Mm -hmm. and this this collection of players that are at the same I don't want to say point in their career but they're at the same point in the goals of their career Mm -hmm. they're trying to get to the 
I say highest level possible that they can. They want to be at the highest level they're capable of. Exactly. Some were there and, and went down and some are weren't there and they're the first beginning step. It's just interesting that, you know, as an experience, and I've experienced this too, you, no matter where you're at in the path, you're always, you know, you're, you're always learning from other people and, and pulling things um, from whoever you're on the same team with. Oh, exactly. And, um, you know, kind of, you know, I don't want to like totally jump forward, but that was a big thing. Uh, you know, obviously this year at Phoenix Rising, I, I played with Didier Drogba, you know, a guy who has won everything, been a part of World Cups, uh, you know, Champions League. And um, he, he, you know, had a speech and he said, like, you know, even though I'm 40 years old and I'm here to teach you guys, there's also things I learned from you every day. You know, some of these young players on our team that are 18, 19 are incredible on the ball and can do things on the ball that he couldn't even do. And he was learning. Um, and that was the same you know, even though I didn't know it exactly, uh, but that was the same thing. It didn't matter who the guys were on this team at Kitsap. Like, I definitely took away so much from them and understood the grind because it's not always pretty. You know, we're, we're not there making a ton of money and, and uh, you know, but we're working and putting in just as much time as, you know, guys who are in the MLS. Uh, you know, obviously not for the full year round, but why we were there. You know, that that's the kind of effort we were putting in and no one complained and, you know, everyone had the same goal and that, that culminated in a PDL championship. We won the national final that year. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so, so, and without that experience, yeah, I don't, again, I don't know if I'd be where I am, even though it wasn't the prettiest, but still, uh, you know, the journey is, is definitely as cliche as it sounds, the journey is far more important than the destination. Oh, it's all it, it, life's life's all about the story. And that's mm -hmm. why people want to do adventures and trips and, and, and go different places and see different cultures. If I can, I compare it to a long flat road to nowhere. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. easy to drive on and there's no potholes and it's perfect, but it's flat, straight and boring. Mm -hmm. You want curves and bumps and a landslide and a flat tire. You want everything that you can because you're going to talk about that. You're going to talk about that just like we are now. If it was just pretty and you got drafted number one overall, I mean, it's, there's still a story there, but it's just a different, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's not, not as good as book to read for sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely. Exactly. So after Bremerton and you guys win the national championship, which is incredible. I know you moved on and went to the Seattle Sounders under 23s. Was that, right after the national championship then did you get some exposure from that playing and and winning that trophy um i did uh and you know i went to the usl combine and you know back then that was you know there was i don't know eight teams on the east coast uh you know didn't get picked up um you know didn't even get a a sniff really with you know any MLS teams you know some USL teams were kind of interested but you know again there's so few teams and so many players uh I ended up going back to Kitsap I played two years at Kitsap uh made it back to the playoffs the next year definitely didn't have the same team because a few guys did get uh picked up you know the guys who were with us from the Sounders ended up signing their first team contracts uh Brian Burke uh you know he ended up going uh, to the NASL, I think, and then Dan Scott, the same. Uh, so we moved on a lot of guys um, as well, you know, all the older guys. And um, and then, yeah, came back the next year. And then, um, then it was kind of starting to look overseas because I just didn't see it happening in the U.S. Uh, I went on trial in Iceland uh, with – I started going to combines. I went on trial in Iceland with uh, Joe Funcello at Soccer Visa, um, and he runs a combine company, you know, bringing all these players together and having scouts from Iceland and Scandinavia, Portugal, uh, Costa Rica come out and, you know, got a trial in Iceland. Um, so that was my first Europe experience. Uh, I'd never been to Europe at all prior to that. Uh, it was my first real kind of felt like professional trial because it wasn't just a tryout, but, you know, got to get in with a team and, see another very professional environment and get in and interact with them and 
at the time, Josh Wicks was there. Uh, he had played quite a few years in the MLS. He was with LA Galaxy. He was with DC United. Um, had played a lot of games in the MLS, but was uh, in the top league in Iceland playing there. And so, you know, again, another experience where uh, I get to learn, I'm crossing paths with another player who's been in the MLS, but, you know, and granted he was signed, but I'm taking another step because, you know, now I'm in almost the same place as them, you know, even though they had been at a lot higher level than me and he was much older than me too. Uh, you know, now I'm starting to, starting to climb, starting to even out, um, earned a contract, but didn't get the deal done. They made an offer. I countered, they didn't sign me. They ended up signing another player. So then I went to, uh, the Sounder under 23s with a great opportunity that I train with the first team. I get to play with the, um, the under 23s. So, you know, that was a big year and it was, you know, another experience where like I was, I learned a new part of the grind because it was morning training with the first team and afternoon training with the Sounder U23s, um, you know, double days for, you know, a whole summer, four months. That was, uh, you learn to appreciate the grind and that's where I improved immensely as well. Uh, you know, getting that experience with the, with the first team and another, another taste of the professional environment when I'm out with the Sounders first team that it's like, okay, a taste. And now I, I want more, you know, so that just builds the hunger. Yeah. What the, you know, talking about, you go from Kitsap Pumas to Iceland, uh, do really well, get the opportunity for a contract, you know, negotiation wise, it doesn't work. Come back under 23s, get to train with the first team, which is a great experience. You know, as you move up the, you're moving up these levels from St. Martin's to Kitsap to Iceland to Sounders to the Sounders first team, getting to train with all this. How much uh, talking about, because I experienced this too, as you move up those levels, the difference in skill level and ability for especially for the field players and then the, the uh, different skill levels and abilities for goalkeepers, it shrinks the difference between the first guy and the second guy and the guy that's not making the game day roster and he's on the bench. And, and what, what do you think is the most important aspect of a player that separates, you know, the perfect number 10 from their second or third string backup or the best goalkeeper on the roster from the second and third, third guy on the squad? Uh, you know, I think that goes back to what I was saying about, uh, you know, my grandparents sending me clippings from the U S national team. I think it's a knowledge of the game and an understanding of the game because, you know, the technical abilities of these players, the ball mastery, uh, you know, now all these guys can use their left and right foot, you know, seamlessly, you wouldn't even know what, you know, what is their strong dominant foot, but I think it's how they read the game, uh, how smart they are as a player, their positioning um is is really what separates uh you know the one from the two because you know yeah. like in the time you know Casey Keller was uh was there with Seattle um and you know he was 40 granted he was in incredible shape but why I'm feeling like I'm flying around running as fast as I can going a million miles an hour and, you know, half his age, he's so calm, collected, and it just seems like, he, you know, for me, I might have to fly across the goal. But for him, it was just like he, he's always just there. He's always in the right spot. His knowledge of the game and his understanding and how well he reads the game uh, was just incredible. You know, so I'm breathing. I'm about to collapse. You know, he's just <laughs> – doing things seamlessly it's uh you know it's it's incredible so that, I, I think it's, inter- it's an interest yeah i i 100 percent agree I, I think it's interesting you know the 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 goalkeeper side of the game uh being friends with thomas and, and a good friend of mine as well played at whitworth university as a goalkeeper um when you watch on tv and even soccer fans and you you, you watch on tv and you watch the goalkeeper and a lot of people get blinded by well, the goalkeeper's back there to just make saves. And how much – and I thought it was interesting. They, they mic'd up Brad Guzan in the All-Star game this year. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that. Tried to, talk, tried to talk to him. And I think it, that gave a fun look. But how much 
game attention, awareness, knowledge of positional, um, uh, positionals like that all of the, the center backs have to have midfielders and the way goalkeepers read the game, like you're talking about between you and Casey at the time, he just knew that these are the only places they can really put their next effort. Mm-hmm. So he's prepared. And, and the reading of that from a goalkeeper, I think you can make so many shots not even happen for you to do work purely by communication, reading of the game, organization. And not a lot of people see that. You're doing so much throughout a match that they don't see until you have to make a save. And that's because not only the field players, but maybe you didn't do enough communication in the long run. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a hundred percent. And that's why goalkeepers tend not to peak until they're uh, much older. You know, they, the prime of a goalkeeper used to be, you know, 28 to, to 34, 35, you know, where if you're 28, 30 years old as a striker, you know, your the career's coming to an end just because that's all a lot of it speed and athleticism and stuff. But like as a goalkeeper, you have to be able to read the game so well. You know, your ability to cut out a cross or come for through balls before having to make a save or adjusting your defense, that's what wins you games. You know, if, if we're making saves, we're not really doing our job right. Uh, mm-hmm. And yep. people don't really understand that. And um, you know, that was a big conversation I was having with coaches this year was, okay, like, you know, yeah, you're going to fly around and make, you know, 10 saves a game, but like, let's not like, let's only make one or two saves a game if you have to. So uh, the communication piece in reading the game was a big topic uh, that I hit on this year with, with my coaches. And that started in training where, you know, I might win a training match and I made 10 saves, but you know, we're like, okay, you know, you did well, but let's limit that. You know, what can you do more before the save? Um, and that was a big thing. And that's definitely a stat. Well, there are no stats on it, but that's something that definitely goes unnoticed. Yeah. I've always, I've always called it preemptive shot blocking. And it's, it's something that I really hold dear now as I'm moving into a coaching career. But when I was playing in college, I mean, I didn't have your length. And I had, I had length over the guys I was competing with, but I was half the athlete that some of them were. But I studied the four two three one that we were playing, and I knew how to talk to my holding mids and my back line. And so, yeah, we'd come out of games, and I'd have four saves, but we'd have a shutout, and I got to play because of that. Um, after you're with Seattle, you move over, and, and you correct me if there are some stops in between, but you end up playing in Sweden professionally. What was it like adjusting – your communication, obviously it's a huge pinnacle of the goalkeeping position. Was that a difficult transition to make when you obviously have to be a vocal leader of the team? Uh, luckily, Sweden is a great place for Americans because they speak such good English. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're exactly right. After Seattle, uh, you know, signed my first full-time professional contract in Sweden uh, with IFK Lulio. Um and yeah, there's only one player on the team who didn't speak English. Uh, you know, luckily he was like a 10 and uh, didn't have to speak to him too much. He was Russian. Um, but, you know, the guys along the back line all spoke really good English. Uh, I picked up as much Swedish as I could. I wish I would have learned more. It just wasn't forced to because everyone spoke such good English, but but definitely the direct soccer terms, you know, shifting right, shifting left, you know, man on your right shoulder, uh, you know, stuff like that. I did pick up in Swedish and, and would try to use as much as possible uh, in games. So then they didn't have to do any of the, uh, you know, they didn't have to translate in their head, you know, English to what I, what they actually needed to do. So um, luckily the communication piece wasn't super difficult. Um and I definitely, even though I was foreign in, in English, I, I did take up a big leadership role, uh, you know, on the field and vocally. And, and that's an important piece of goalkeeping and uh, tried to do whatever I could to, to make it easier on my team. But, yeah, pretty easy. So you meant so you mentioned that this, you know, uh, with Lulio, this is your first full time uh, professional contract. Uh, from going in the mirror, you know, well, from being 10, watching Brad Friedel at the World Cup, to now being in the mirror at, with Kitsap after the tryout, 
you know, it, do you feel with this contract, did you kind of go home and have a little smile and a, and a giggle and go, yeah, I made it. Or you were, you know, you're kind of still grinding going, no, this isn't, this isn't me making it yet. I wanted to keep going. No, uh, definitely wasn't, wasn't satisfied, satisfied. It was, uh, you know, this was a great first step because, you know, it was the first time I didn't have to have a second job. Uh, you know, for three years after college, I was coaching um, every hour possible in the day. I worked part time at a GNC. I worked at our our university gym because I was also coaching uh, the university team. Like I was a goalkeeper coach. I was, you know, doing all these things and I was only playing three or four months out of the year. And this was my first 10. You know, I was there for one full year. I played soccer every day for a year and that's where I progressed the most. But again, you know, another situation where I was there with another American who had been drafted uh, by the new England revolution uh, was there for a year and, you know, didn't play, but so now he's trying to find an opportunity to play. So again, I'm like coming into crossing paths with someone who, you know, had been a little higher than me and now we're at the same position again. So that's mm -hmm. like huge because I, you know, makes me believe more that, okay, like I'm, I'm at the same point as this person, but no, there's definitely still, still more to, to chase after. And, you know, again, it, it pushed me to work even harder because again, you get that, you get a little more taste of, you know, full-time professional football, uh, you know, putting some money in my pocket, uh, you know, getting to live in Europe and getting to travel uh, while I'm there. It was, uh, such a fantastic experience um in sweden and one you know again the journey is so important and it's just it was just another chapter that i you know so happy that i got to be a part of yeah i tell i tell a lot of players i coach and uh, i do a lot of a lot of private training to help players hopefully get a jump start on on going to a trial like kitsap or going to a collegiate trial and being prepared for things mm -hmm. but uh in, uh, in, I think for you and for lots of players that have the drive to be successful, you could have easily signed that deal and looked in the mirror and went, I made it. I'm a pro. I'm a professional player. This is all I'm doing. And I think it's when you get there and you finally sign a version of the contract you've been working towards that's kind of when the work starts, right? You're like, okay, now I have the opportunity to only focus on what I want. Now I, now I need to get after it instead of being complacent, sitting back and just resting on laurels. And I think that's a characteristic that goes across all sports, all you know, aspects of life is that mentality of, okay, I got my job. Now I'm going to be the best at it so I can improve because I just want to be the best, not because I want more money, not because I want, I just want to have the success I feel like I can attain. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, a big part of that is, you know, I was with, even though I was playing full-time professionally, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't at the level of, you know, MLS. And so, you know, it was like, okay, I, I had seen a little bit of where I want to be and, you know, growing, you know, if Thomas, like you were in Evergreen, how big of a deal Seattle is and, and the Seattle Sounders mm -hmm. are, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the U S and so like, you know, granted, obviously the dream is, you know, can I play in Europe? Can I play in the EPL? Uh, you know, would I love to play for Manchester United? Of course, but at the same time being realistic where, okay, the Sounders was a dream club for me. Like that would, that would have been, that would be so awesome if I could play for the Sounders. So it was like, you know, Lulio is great, but it was like, I knew I still had more to chase. Yeah. It's Speaking, I mean, for sure, echoing that point, playing in Olympia and coming from Montana, you have no idea what a soccer culture is until you get to that area. And even Thurston County is not even close to like King County as far as the soccer culture, but they still worship, hero worship the Sounders. And it's, it's a funny thing, but so you get to move back to the U.S. and you sign with Phoenix Rising and they're kind of, at least nationally, this recognized club is this really probably the fastest growing club in the United States. What was that process like? Were you super excited to come back to the States and was that kind of the ideal option for you? Um, yeah. I mean, so I was, uh, 
I had, well, after Sweden, so I had played two years in the USL after Lulio. Uh, I played in Tulsa, and then I played for the Swole Park Rangers in Kansas City. And at that point in time, the Phoenix team was Arizona United. And, you know, the, and they'll be the first ones to say it. They were pretty bad. Uh, you know, they played in a baseball stadium with, you know, maybe like 500 fans a game. Uh, you know, I don't know how often they even made the playoffs. Uh, you know, not a place I wanted to be um, by any means. Uh, and then I did end up – so after Tulsa, Kansas City, I ended up going back to Sweden uh, to play. I played in a bigger club in the south uh, for Lundsjela SK, just right outside of, outside of Gothenburg. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm watching U.S. soccer, and I, I see, you know, Phoenix Rising. They just rebranded. Uh, their first year, you know, Drogba's there playing. Sean Wright Phillips is there. Um, Omar Bravo is there. You know, these huge names in the, you know, it's just in the second tier of the in American soccer. And I'm like, holy cow, like, you know, they're selling out their stadium. Uh, so I was keeping an eye on them. And as soon as I got back from Sweden, I was freezing cold. I was kind of over being up, up so far north. And I was like, I want to yeah. play somewhere warm. And, you know, Phoenix was a club I, I wanted to be a part of. I saw what they were doing and uh, thought it was incredible and and reached out to them and and didn't get an email back <laughs> and, oh, no. and never heard from them. Um, so I'm uh, I'm I'm back in the U.S. Uh, I'm in Chicago and living with my girlfriend and, you know, I'm reaching out to teams. I'm trying to find a club here in the U.S. So I didn't really want to go back to Sweden. Uh, you know, I'm going on some trials, you know, and, and it's, I was at the point too, where I was starting to feel like, well, I shouldn't really have to be going through trials. Like I should just have these contract offers. Uh, and I think a lot of people would have been disheartened by it, but you know, I'm, I think a big reason why I'm still playing today is, you know, I'm humble and, you know, back on the grind and, uh, you know, went on different trials, got a contract offers, uh, with Vegas um, wasn't really a good fit for me. And then the next day uh, I get a call from Phoenix. Um, they had had some injuries, uh, a goalkeeper that they had signed uh, had gotten injured and they needed to replace him. Uh, and they had called the Sounders goalkeeper coach and needed a recommendation. And I was his, his recommendation. Um so, you know, a bridge I had built, you know, years before really, really came to fruition and um, went down there uh, actually and still needed to go to the tryout. You know, they wanted to see me play and they were having an open tryout. Uh, luckily, you know, they they took care of all my expenses, you know, for me. But, you know, went to the open tryout, uh, got to play against a former club of Kansas City uh, the final day there and had a really good day, blocked a Graham Zussi free kick, just going top corner. And, uh, yeah, they offered me a contract the next day. Um, so that was that was a really cool experience, knowing I get to go play with a legend like Didier Drogba. And, it, and now, you know, again, I'm crossing paths with someone who's been at the, the highest – pyramid in the soccer world you know and now I'm sharing a locker room with him again you know just taking them that next little that next little step that okay now I'm with someone who's who's been where I want to be and all these guys uh were division one athletes uh they were most of them were drafted most of them had signed an MLS contract at some point in their their careers um and again I'm 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 there in the mix uh, so, you know, it's, it's a little stuff like that that really keeps me going. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's so great. The, the different, the different paths to where you got to, I mean, you're playing, like you said, with Omar Bravo and, and Drogba and Sean Wright Phillips, um, all these guys that are at a different end of their career, but still playing at a high level and, and players that are D one went to MLS contracts and kind of, are just trying to find a fit to kind of, to get a good you know reputation and get get a good season or two underneath their belts, and then players like yourself where you had to go from Kitsap to you know overseas into Sweden and Iceland and come back and go back over and come back and kind of 
you hear that phrase of like the journeyman type thing. Mm -hmm. And now you're all, you're all at the same level playing on the same team and competing. And I think, you know, it speaks for the name of the podcast, but there's so many different paths to play professional and paths to become a pro. It's just, you have to stick with it and you have to grind and, and be okay with being asked to come in for a tryout when you feel like, Hey, uh, I'm established. I'm established. Mm -hmm. Seattle Sounders goalkeeper coach told you that I'm the guy yet. You're going to have me come have a tryout. Let's let's go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I think a part of that is, you know, dealing with adversity, um, you know, being the journeyman going through so many different trials and tribulations, uh, that it, it really makes you so much more, you know, mentally tougher, uh, and being able to be uncomfortable and performing, and, you know, it goes back to, you know, again, I was, I'd been, I'd then surpassed, you know, guys who had been drafted, guys who were on the youth national team, uh, you know, guys who came up in MLS academies uh, and it seemed like they had everything in front of them. And, and then they go through a tiny little bit of adversity when they're a little older and they had never been through it and they, they crumble. Um where, you know, I'd been through, I think, adversity from a bit of a young age, you know, coming out of Montana. And I, I don't know how your guys' experience was, but, you know, in high school, I was kind of bullied and beat up for playing soccer. Like, oh, I, absolutely. I was called a, a, the term I got a lot was grass fairy. Yep. Foot, <laughs> foot fairy, field fairy, yeah. all of it. There you go. Um, oh, always. You know, we, we, you know, we were abused. The football team thought, you know, so much of themselves in basketball. And, you know, even I had a biology teacher who was a basketball coach at our high school and, you know, I'm growing and tall. And so he decides he wants to make fun of me for playing soccer to try to get me to quit. So I come out for the basketball team. <laughs> and, and from then on, I hated biology and I hated like – Science, I wanted nothing to do with it because it rubbed me such the wrong way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, dealing with those 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 trials, you know, I think helped me prolong my career and, and get me where I am now because of the the adversity I dealt with and built up that mental toughness. And now that's a big a big role that I try to play, uh, you know, with this Phoenix Rising team, because now we have, you know, 18, 19 year old players who. Mm -hmm have been on the youth national team who, you know, coming out of the academies and they're dealing with a little adversity and struggling. And so, yeah. you know, and then they look at me and they, they get to know my story a little bit and, you know, and then they, they come to me with, you know, questions, uh, you know, wondering how to do it. And I listen and, and try to help them. And I, I became a, a huge reader, um, you know, dealing with like sports psychology, you know, building up that mental toughness, uh, you know, dealing with adversity and that helps, that's helped me tremendously as well. I don't think there's so many books out there and I don't think you can read enough of them. Um, and that's a big, big, uh, part of my, my career is, was, was learning that stuff. I, I agree, Zach. And I, I think, you know, we, as I think everyone listening to this can tell, we, we could keep talking about, you know, trials and tribulations and, and, and your career because it's so fascinating and, and the story and the journey and, you know, the whole time you're spending at Phoenix is, is a point that is, I'm sure, full of stories and life lessons and experience. The next question I really have for you, uh, Zach, as we wrap up is you've, you've played for a, a plethora of different teams and had different tryouts all over not only the nation and the country, but the globe through this process coming into Phoenix rising, who's doing, do you have an agent at this point? Do you have a manager? Do you have anybody speaking on your behalf or is it just kind of falling on your shoulders? Um, I, I think have... that's not, not to cut you off. I think that's interesting. A lot of players. And when I was growing up, I felt like I, I couldn't really go talk to a pro team or try and get a trial if I didn't have an agent, like if I don't have an agent, I'm not really ready to try and go pro. And, and I think it'd be interesting to hear how you handled that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely tough, uh, especially, you know, coming out of college, uh, you know, if you're not one of these guys who are going to the MLS combine, then you're not really getting recruited and you're, 
uh, tough to get, get eyes on you. Um, I, I have had agents, uh, previously, um, right now I do not. Um, I, I first started getting picked up because I was going to combines, you know, on my own dime, you know, flying to Florida, uh, going and playing in front of scouts, uh, and agents. And then that's, you know, how I first got to Iceland. And then, you know, that's ultimately too how I got to Sweden. I went to a combine, played for three days and, you know, Lulio had a scout there and they happened to need a goalkeeper. And, and that's the other tough part too, is, you know, you can go to this combine and you might be the best player there. No, hands down. But, you know, there's three or four coaches and none of them need a six, you know, or none of them need a 10. And if that's the case, then, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. These teams don't need you. And, you know, and I felt that's something I had to learn because I felt like I had gone to some combines and I was, I felt like I was the best goalkeeper there or best player there. And, you know, I didn't end up getting a trial or anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I had agents, I never had very good luck with them. Uh, you know, kind of, I don't think the first ones, you know, didn't really put my needs. They were just kind of doing what was ever easiest. Uh, you know, then I got a different agent and, you know, never missed a phone call. If he did, he texted me or called me back right away. He was, you know, very involved, but then ultimately didn't have the connections and wasn't great at, you know, getting me contracts and, uh, that's when I went back to Sweden after can- my year in Kansas City, where I felt like, like, what's going on? Like, why am I not having, you know, why am I not getting these offers? We just were in the USL final. And, you know, and so I go out on my own to like, okay, well, I have to play somewhere. That's where I, that's when I went back to Sweden. Uh, and I realized, you know, like, I think I can do this on my own. Uh, I've built up enough contacts. I've, you know, have a big enough network that I can find contracts and deals on my own. Now, uh, you know, granted, does that help me with MLS? Uh, you know, it's tougher. Uh, but you know, then it, it comes back to again, Joe Funcello. Uh, you know, he has an agency with soccer visa. Now, uh, I'm not exactly signed with them, but Joe being a friend of mine now, he's a guy that I talk to constantly, just for advice more than anything, you know, if I'm going through a tough point uh, in my career or the year or season, whatever, low point, high point, something good, I call him. If something bad happens, I call him too. Um, so he's definitely a, a mentor of mine that's that's helped me a lot. Uh, but as of now, I don't have an agent. Um, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, sometimes you can get an agent and they're great. Uh, and sometimes they're not and they don't help you at all. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of sometimes it's a shot in the dark, especially if you're a player who's not, you know, exactly nationally ranked, highly recruited, then it's, uh, it's, it's a tough, it's a, it's a, it's a harder path for sure. Sure. Yeah. I, it's interesting to hear just that you kind of on your own can make, I don't know, better connections been somebody who's kind of outside of the game or maybe had a playing career and is now trying to represent you as an agent. Um, all that being said, I know you talked about the adversity that you faced and a, and a huge part of your career and kind of why you've been able to develop into this highly successful goalkeeper is your ability to withstand adversity from a young age, growing up in Bozeman and then going through all these tryouts, which I mean, both Roland and I know are stressful environments, right? Going out and being like, prove myself compared to all these other people. It's a, it's a scary thing outside of handling that adversity and just having thick skin. What do you think would be the biggest piece of advice that you would give some young players that might be listening to this podcast um, and that appreciate your story, but want to know how they can have one that's similar? Um, you know, especially when it comes to tryouts and stuff, uh, you know, it's, to me, it's doing the little things right. You know, not being sloppy with easy passes. You know, uh, being very direct in your movement. Uh, you know, having a presence. 
you know, checking off the little boxes, you know, things that maybe you can't exactly teach, you know, like if, if I'm making a, you know, as a goalkeeper, I'm playing out to my outside back or center back or something. And even if they're not under pressure, but making sure that's a good firm ball on the ground, not bouncing. Uh, You know, if I'm lazy with that pass out, I think that says a lot about, you know, uh, your, your, maybe your personality and how you handle things. Because if you're lazy with this pass out, you know, under no pressure, then I, I'm probably going to say you don't deal with pressure very well either because you're used to just kind of going through the motions in that way. Um, And then also, you know, being yourself, because if you try too hard, it's a, it's a fine balance of, if you try too hard at a combine, you're going to put yourself or a tryout. You're going to put yourself under so much stress and pressure. You're going to be thinking about, Oh, I made a mistake. Like these coaches are watching, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna kill your game and your confidence. But, um, you know, just going out there being yourself. Uh, you know, I always told myself today, I'm the best goalkeeper I can ever be because I trained yesterday and I'm better than I was yesterday now. And, you know, I can't be better. I can't be any better today than I have ever been. You know, if that, if that makes sense. Um, De- definitely. I, I would, when I would go to tryouts, cause I always wanted to, you know, compete and always wanted to be really what be great. And I, I'm, I, when I was over in England, I just wanted to show them everything that I could do. Right. I've got one tryout. I had one day at, at Gillingham and <clears throat> all I wanted to do was show them everything I had, but we're doing a, you know, a, like a sack training and then we're going into some small sided and then we're going to go into a, you know, a big game. I'm, I wanted to show them every single facet. And, and I think it was important for me to just remember, I would always say it's just, I'm playing a game. Soccer is a game. It's a sport. Just go out and compete, be yourself and, Show them why they should sign not only me, but Roland as a soccer player, mm-hmm. not this perfect number seven or number 11, but just they should sign me to be on their team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like you're saying, if you if you go out and try to force things, you know, if you try to go out and you're trying to play uh, these perfect little like dime balls and and maybe you make one brilliant pass but you've also given the ball away seven or eight times. They're going to remember the seven or eight giveaways. They're not going to remember the one good ball. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's doing the simple things, right. It's, uh, you know, playing your game. And that's, I think the most important part of a, of a tryout and, um, and, and enjoying it. Like you gotta, you gotta have joy. And that's something I learned was, uh, you know, enjoying what you're doing, enjoying the process, uh, enjoying the game and then you're going to play, you know, you are going to play your best soccer if you're, if you have fun and are enjoying it. Yeah. I honestly, Zach, it has been, it's been so amazing to talk to you. And so far, I mean, our first podcast, I was able to just have a one-on-one conversation with Roland who coached me in high school and has been a friend of mine for a long time. And I got to learn things about the nuances of his career um, we talked to another person, O'Brien Bird, who now is a huge instrumental character in the Valley as far as developing a soccer community here and learning about his professional career and, and all the different paths that he took were so cool. And just getting to hear your story and how it took you abroad and how you went from, you know, Thurston County to Arizona and all these different places in Kansas City and then Sweden and Iceland. I think that being able to hear these stories for young people is invaluable and it's exactly what we're aiming to do with this path to pro series. So honestly, I think speaking for both Roland and I, we cannot thank you enough for being a part of this. Well, I'm sorry. I lost you there for about 10 seconds. Oh, no worries at all. I was just saying that being able to hear your story is honestly invaluable for our listeners. We're trying to show them that, not every professional career looks the same and being able to hear your story where you're going from Thurston County to Arizona to Kansas city to Iceland and to Sweden and back. It's just an awesome story. And it's, it's the exact kind of path to pro that, that we're looking to depict and that we're trying to talk about. And it's been awesome to talk to you and we really can't thank you enough for being here with us. 
Hey, of course. Um, you know, it's my pleasure. And, you know, you know me being from Montana, uh, you know, part of my goal with my career is to is to help Montanans branch out and, you know, go to college and play and, and you know, pave a path for for kids to go to the next level. Um, you know, and I think the biggest thing for me was I was I was a naive young kid who just wanted to be a pro. And, uh, you know, that 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 ultimately paid off for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I love to help. And, you know, you guys are doing such a great job with the legend brand and now, you know, promoting the game in Montana. It's uh, exactly something I want to be a part of. No, we appreciate it, Zach. And, and like you offered earlier, we, we would love to have you back on and, and kind of break down some, some different avenues, aspects, and some of the processes that it takes to, to pursue a professional career at, you know, at whatever level, either the PDL with Pumas or overseas or in the USL. Uh, I think we'd love to have you back on and, and have that chat, you know, with these first couple series, it's just showing people there are like Thomas mentioned so many different avenues, just because you don't go through the prototypical collegiate into the draft to a team, have a great season. And now you're a pro doesn't mean you can't make it doesn't mean it won't happen for you but you have to kind of suffer and create your story and and be be okay with being uncomfortable for a while if if you really want it oh no definitely that would be that'd be awesome and i yeah i'd love to come back on and and talk to you guys again i think there's still a lot of uh we we talked a lot uh but i think there's still a lot you know of uh, valuable information we can cover and you know i didn't even uh touch on that i finally after eight years, I guess, of grinding and chasing that I did end up signing an MLS contract, uh, even though it was short lived for a little bit this year with Seattle that, uh, you know, it's, there's a million different avenues you can take and it's a global game and it's incredible the places that soccer can take you. Absolutely, Zach. Well, once again, thanks for coming on and for everyone that's listening, if you ever get a chance to watch Phoenix rising and get to see Zach play, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. Uh, podcasts are on all over our social media pages and you can come check us out uh, anytime you want. Once again, Zach, thanks for being here and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure.